Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jeb Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger. As always, surprising you with new topics, new discussions, and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And you guys are getting a lot of jabs today. You're getting that Sean Strickland jab. You know he loves to fire that thing off. Um, I wanted to cover a lot of UFC-related material in the last episode, but I just I just didn't have time, you know? I, we had other stuff to talk about, so I figured I'd save it all. So this is sort of the extravaganza galore episode of just all things UFC, new fights, we're going to be answering some questions from ESPN, of course, reviewing, or actually previewing, I should say, wrong word, previewing Tom Aspinall versus Marcin Ty Bureau. We are recording this on Thursday, July 20th. Hopefully this will be out on July 21st. But yeah, we got lots of stuff to go over, including Loyal to the Belt. We're back with that segment. This time we will be talking about Aljamain Sterling. We'll be getting to that. So much stuff is going on in the UFC world. But before we get into that, let's talk about some movies that I might be seeing soon. Oppenheimer is coming out soon. Without a doubt, I will be seeing Oppenheimer. The Barbie movie, too. I might be seeing I've been hearing some interesting reviews on it, so I'll, I'll maybe wait to check it out. But we'll see. You know, there's a lot of movies out. Right now, I know Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is out. I've heard some very good reviews on that, so maybe I'll have to check that out. But I mean, I still can't get over Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I watched that on Netflix like three days ago, and it was just so amazing. I really want to work on diving into movies and giving reviews on them. So maybe we'll get into that too and stuff. But as for this episode, we're all things UFC. So the intro's been made. Let's start diving into everything. Starting off, we will be talking about some unfortunate news. As in the light heavyweight division, Jamal Hill, your current champion, has unfortunately relinquished the belt. He has vacated it due to an Achilles injury, which will keep him out for at least six months. Very unfortunate news, especially by the fact he won the belt from a fight where Jerry just had to vacate it and he fought Glover to share a fort. So the light heavyweight division is officially cursed. We cannot keep a real champion. I think the only person with a defense since John Jones has been Jan Blahovich defeating Israel Adesanya. Other than that, the belt's just been flip-flopping back and forth. So I don't know what's going on. All, all prayers to Jamal Hill. I pray that his recovery goes well and he's able to get back in because everyone wants to see him and Jiri do battle. I mean, that is just a must-see fight in the light heavyweight division. But as for the state of the division right now, I mean, uh, there's a, a couple options. I'm hearing word that Magomed Ankalaev, currently ranked number two, will either be fighting number five, Nikita Krylov, or number four, Alexander Rakic, potentially at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi in October. Now, whether he does or doesn't, I mean, if he fights either of them, those will be number one contender fights. But if he doesn't fight him, I would straight up give him a title shot against the winner of Alex Pereira and Jan Blahovich because I thought he actually beat Jan Blahovich at UFC 282 in December. But that fight was a draw. Very awkward fight. Very awkward event that was. But, you know, light heavyweight, you got Nikia Krylov, Johnny Walker on the come up. Alex Pereira's de debuting in the division. Paul Craig's leaving the division. Number 11 in the rankings, you have Osmot Mirzakhanov undefeated 
in his career. Watch out for him. He'll actually be taking on number eight, Volkan Ozdemir, hopefully coming up. But yeah, I mean, Jamal Hill out. Without a doubt, I feel Jiri should be getting a title shot, actually. You know, I don't know when he's going to be back, though. So maybe they'll save Jiri for the winner of Hyun and Alex Behera. Or even just Magman Ankalev. There's so many different fights you can make, but... Best wishes to Jamal Hill. Alright? Some new fighter news. I mean, there have been so many. I mean, where do we begin? Like, I actually don't know where to begin. So much fight news has dropped. Not just over last week, but in the last 24 hours. Alright? We'll start small and work our way up. So, for starters, I've been told Justin Taffa and Austin Lane will be running back their fight. It was stopped prematurely as Justin Taffa. That I poked by Austin Lane. And fun fact about Austin Lane, and this is in the heavyweight division for anyone who does not know, Austin Lane is actually the cousin of someone who works out of my mom's gym. So that's a very interesting. That's such a random thing that a UFC fighter's cousin works out the same gym as my mom. <laughs> but it is what it is. We also have the return of Kamru Usman's brother, Mohamed Usman, as he will be taking on Jake Collier September 23rd. Mohamed Usman, obviously, 9-2, and 2-0 two, two and in the UFC, and he actually won season 30 of the Ellsman Fighter, which was not the best season, but he's Conor Usman's brother, and we need new heavyweights, so happy to see him back. He's taking on Jake Collier, who's 13-9, 5-8 in the UFC. He's actually on a three-fight losing streak. I don't know what deal he has with the UFC. He must know somebody. He must be like cousins with Hunter or Sean or even Dana. He must be Dana White's cousin or something, because he still has a job. Mohamed Usman should do foul things to him, and I'll grapple him into oblivion. Very happy that Mohamed Usman is fighting. Also announced for Paris is Benoit Saint-Denis and Thiago Moises. Benoit, I believe he's on a three-fight win streak right now, if I remember correctly. All finishes, too. Benoit Saint-Denis, hometown is France, so. Paris, he should perform very well. As he takes on Tiago Moises, who's coming off a win over... Ooh, was it Melquizel Costa? Is he on like a little two-fight win streak or something? Tiago Moises, happy to see him back. That should be a banger in the lightweight division. And also, another fight that was just announced for November 4th, which is the November 4th card will probably be taking place in Brazil. So expect a lot of Brazil fighters on that card. Kyle Baralo. We'll be taking on Neural Sutin Ruzaboyev, if no one recalls that. He actually knocked out Henan Barara not too uh, not too long ago. Actually, it was like a couple weeks ago, actually. So that should be an absolute banger. Kyle Barallo is 14-1, 4-0 in the UFC, most notable wins. Definitely over Armin Petrosian and Mahmoud Muradov. He also has a performance of the bonus. Performance bonus of the night, so. That should be an absolute banger. But let's get into some more notable fights. I mean, I'm the I'm sure only the hardcore fans care about the lower level fights. Um August 5th, we were supposed to have Corey Sanhagen taking on Umar Nurmagomedov. Unfortunately, that fight will not be happening. Umar has pulled out with what I was told was a shoulder injury. <sighs> Excuse me. Rob Font is stepping in on short notice. They're gonna be fighting at a 140 pound catchweight fight. Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font. This is in the bantamweight division, and I'm so happy this fight is happening. 
Honestly, this is going to be an absolute banger of a fight. Corey is currently ranked number four. Rob Font in at seven. Rob Font coming off a very nice knockout of Adrian Giannis. Corey Sandhagen coming off a... I don't know if it was a fight of the night, but it was certainly a good fight against Marlon Vera back in March. Happy to see both of those guys back, and they will be aiming for a title shot without a doubt. These two guys are coming to kill. Also announced, UFC 293. We got some big, we're just going to dive into the big ones, right? UFC 293, Adesanya versus Strickland. Not official, but Adesanya says Sean Strickland is next, which means Duplessis is not available. So we'll be seeing Sean Strickland fight for a middleweight title belt, most likely in September. That is nuts to me. That is nuts. It was not too long ago. Sean Strickland was irrelevant back in 2020. He wasn't really anyone. And now 2023, he could be main eventing UFC 293 with Israel Adesanya in Australia, nonetheless. All kudos to Sean Strickland. A prediction for that fight, I think Adesanya might finish Sean. I just... I just don't know if Sean's style can match against Adesanya's, but we'll see. Um, another fight announced by Dana for UFC 295 is the co-main event, which will take place under John Jones versus Stipe Miocic, and it is the welterweight championship fight between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. It's about time this fight was announced. Oh my goodness, I love Colby Covington. He's probably one of my favorite fighters, if not my favorite. The trash talk. I actually like his grappling style. I love that he gets political and just riles people up. And as for Leon, man, a very boring second fight against Kamaru Usman. I'm ready to see him get his butt whooped. That's right. Colby Covington by decision to become the new welterweight champion. And UFC 295 is shaping up to be amazing. We already have two fights announced, and they're both championship fight bangers. 293 is looking to be an amazing year for UFC. I'll, I'll say that right off the bat. This is This has been one of the better years. I think 2021 was still probably one of my favorite years, but 2023, a close second. Also announced, we're going to go over the three big fights announced. Well, actually, this one, the first one isn't too big. It's for UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. Ikram Alakasarov, who's supposed to fight Paulo Costa at UFC 291, or yes, 291, will be taking on Nazardine Imavov. Nazardine coming off that. Awkward no contest against Chris Curtis is currently ranked number 13 in the woman, the woman's, in the men's middleweight division. Very good fight. I like both their styles. It'll be Ikram's second fight in the UFC. As for Nazardine, he's been gaining some experience as of late. You know, he continues to improve. That should be nothing short of a banger. And will will most likely be the co-main event at UFC 294. Hamza Chimaev returns. He takes on Paulo Costa. Paulo currently ranked number. Oh my gosh, Paulo's all the way down to seven at middleweight as he takes on the number four welterweight. But of course, the universal fighter that is Hamza Chimaev. Hamza undefeated, 12 and 0, 11 finishes. He takes on Paulo, who's coming off that weird. Um, Fight of the night fight against Luke Rockhold. I can't believe this fight's happening. I hope it happens. We have to wait until October against two guys that are not reliable. But, um, wow. I was so happy this fight was announced officially by Dana White. So, without a doubt, it's real. And I just, I have no words. I mean, I got Hamzat. I don't know by what method, by what way, but I just hope this fight happens. I don't even want to make a prediction until these two are actually in the cage of the bell rings. But this fight's going to be an absolute 
masterclass of war. You heard it here first. Gosh, I, I'm speechless. I'm so happy that fight's going down. All right. Whoo, okay. The main event of UFC 294. Islam Makhachev is fighting. But against two, you may be wondering, is it Volk? Is it Matus Gamrat Armin Tazukian, the winner of freaking Poirier and uh, Gaethje? No. It is the Bronx, Charles Oliveira, the rematch. A year in the making. I cannot believe Charles is actually getting the shot. I thought he wouldn't be ready in time, but apparently he's going to be ready. Oh my goodness. Charles Oliveira, ladies and gentlemen, he gets his shot. You best bet we're rocking with Charles Oliveira. I, I did rock with him against Benil, as I will mention over and over and over again. But yeah, right when the bell rang, I picked him. I was rooting for him, all right? Officially on record, I have Benil Dariush as my pick. But right when the octagon door closed, I was all Charles Oliveira. Honestly, if Charles wins, I'll bleach my hair. I will dye my hair blonde like Charles Oliveira does if he wins. You heard it here first, all right? Such an amazing, such an amazing fight. Islam Makachev, 24-1. and one. His one loss was back from almost 10 years ago. He's on the run of his life. I think he's on, what, like a 12-fight win streak or something? I think, yeah, I think it's either, I think it's, I think it's up to 12 now. It's crazy. That's for Charles Oliveira, I mean. What does he have, 20 finishes in the UFC? He has the UFC record for most finishes. It's it's insane. I cannot believe this. I use the words insane. I use those words all the time. But truly, this is an incredible fight. And I cannot wait for UFC 294. I don't care where I'm at. I'll be watching this. All right. I could be on a desert island and I will swim across the ocean to watch this fight. I cannot believe it. All right. And a little bonus non UFC fight, but involving two UFC legends. December 14th at, I believe it's Fury Pro Grappling. I think that's what's on there. George St. Pierre is coming back to have a grappling match with Damian Amaya. Talk about news I did not think I would read today. That is just. That's the most random fight you could possibly make. I don't even know what to make make of that, but I'm um, very happy that uh, George St. Pierre will be back. Maybe I'll catch it, but I don't know in all honesty. I mean, I feel that he probably shouldn't be fighting, but it is what it is. George St. Pierre, we love you. And hey, maybe it could be a little tease to coming back to MMA. You never know. Next up, before we... um getting too loyal to the belt and our fight night predictions. We got some ESPN questions we're going to be answering. I saw these posed just on an article, and I was like, I found all these questions interesting. I want to give my opinions on them. So we're going to answer them. We got six questions that ESPN asked their analysts, but I'm going to answer and give my opinion. The real, the real expert, me, according to many sources that will not come forward. So, starting off, and y'all can give your answers too. All right. Zero, one, or two, how many fighters will retire after Jones and Miokic fight at UFC 295? So, are both of them going to retire? Is only one of them or none of them? And I know the answer to this. All right. Let's say John Jones wins. Without a doubt, Stipe will retire. There's nothing left for Stipe if he loses to John Jones. All right, and he wants to be a firefighter. He's 41 years old. Stipe shouldn't even be in this fight in the first place, but we'll accept it. 
And if he loses, he will retire. Now, if John Jones wins, there's not much left for him to do. He came back. He won the belt. He defended the belt. But I think Sergey Pavlovich can draw him in for just one more fight. So I'm going to say that he does not retire if he wins. But if there ever was a scenario, it would be John Jones winning. All right. But let's just say the off chance, the biggest upset in UFC history, Stipe Miocic wins against John Jones. Then neither are retiring. They're running it back. All right. But that's not going to happen. We can entertain it, but Stipe Miocic will not beat John Jones. Imagine this audio makes it into one of those highlight reels where, you know, you play right before you show the clip of Stipe knocking out John Jones. But that obviously will not happen because John Jones is on a whole nother level and Stipe has not fought in, I think, over 950 days. It's something ridiculous. I got one fighter retiring, and that's Stipe after he gets obliterated. All right. Moving on to the next question. Fill in the blank. The state of MMA's light heavyweight division is blank and why? So light heavyweight division, it has been chaos ever since John Jones vacated the belt. Ever since he won that controversial decision over Dominic Reyes back in February of 2020, the belt's been up in the air. I mean... Jan Blachowicz and Dominic Reyes fought for the interim belt in 2020. Jan won it. He then defended it against Israel Adesanya, who moved up in weight, was actually under the 205 limit after beating him in a unanimous decision. He would then get submitted by Glover Teixeira in 2021. After that, Glover Teixeira would get submitted by Jerry. Jerry would vacate the belt. Then Jamal Hill would beat Glover Teixeira to win the vacant belt. And then Jamal Hill would get injured and have to relinquish the belt himself. So it has been nothing short. I don't know if pandemonium's the right word. But I'll tell you I'll tell you what word I'm going to use. The state of MMA's light heavyweight division is unpredictable. Because truly, anyone can become champion. And I just remembered we actually had another title fight for the vacant belt. Between Hamblovich and Magomed Ankalaev, which I mentioned earlier at UFC 282 in December of 2022, and it ended in a draw. That just adds to the chaos, the unpredictability of this division. If I predict who will be the next champion, I got Jerry Prochaska. Without a doubt, give Jerry the title shot. But if not, then I'm rocking with my boy Magomed. I love Magomed Ankalaev, alright? He was robbed of his belt. It was a bad decision at UFC 282. Let's move on to question number three. Real or not? Ooh. If Alexa Grasso defeats Valentina Shevchenko again, she'll be the best pound-for-pound women's fighter. That is the dumbest question I could... ESPN's asking the simplest questions. Without a doubt, she'll be the best. She's already the number one pound-for-pound best fighter. The only person you could argue is as better than her is Zhang Weili. But Zhang Wei Li ain't beat Valentina Shevchenko, all right? So if Alexa Grasso wins in any regard, she will without a doubt be the number one pound for pound. With Amanda Nunes gone, the best women's fighter is up for grabs right now, right? But if Valentina wins, Alexa just becomes another random fighter. But I don't know. I'm still torn on who I will pick for that fight. It's going to be close. I don't know if it's going to resemble a Julia Pena-Amanda Nunes fight. But I could see 
Valentina Shevchenko regaining her belt. And I could also see Alexa Grasso outclassing her. So we'll stand by until I can drop my prediction. But as for now, I might ride with Alexa Grasso. And to answer the question, if Alexa Grasso defeats Valentina Shevchenko again, it is real that she will be the best power for women's fighter. To officially answer the question. Question number four. Who will Islam Makhachev fight next, and who should he actually fight? So yeah, this was kind of a couple days old, and I'm a bit behind the recording. So as we know now, Islam is fighting Charles Oliveira at UFC uh, 294. But who should he actually fight? Come on, guys. It's simple. It's the rematch with Volk. It's it's that's gonna be you know I was so skeptical, I was so skeptical. I'm I was so skeptical about running it back with those two, but after seeing Volk dismantle, dismantle, um, Yair Rodriguez, without a doubt I want to see it now. If Armin Tuzugrian enters the conversation, if him and Benil Dariush fight and he's able to get into the top five, then I want to see Iatopura versus Volk, and Armin versus, um, actually the winner of Oliveira and Makachev, but assuming Makachev gets past Oliveira, which I hope he doesn't, then yeah, he should be fighting Volkanovski next, but you're looking at that in UFC uh, 300 territory, so we have opponents for, um, Makachev next, and I don't know if we're going to see Volk later this year, and if we do, it'll without a doubt be against Iotopira, so who will Islam Makachev fight next? It's Oliveira. Who should he actually fight? Alexander the Great. Volk. Uh, Nowski. Right, question number five of six. Which fighter are you looking forward to seeing return from an injury or a lengthy time off? Hmm. Very good question. Um. Gosh, if we go by Division. I can give you a fighter in every division I'm looking forward to see return. So, we'll rattle off 11 fighters real quick, all right? At flyweight, number nine, Manel Cape. I mean, I have not seen Manel in, gosh, I don't even know if he's fought this year. I've missed Manel, all right? Manel Cape, future UFC champion right there, all right? At bantamweight, ooh, at bantamweight, Umar Namargamedov. It's going to be Umar whenever he fights next, and I mean, he's not even fighting soon. So whenever Umar fights, that's who I'll miss, all right? At featherweight. Mm. Sodik Yusuf. Sodik Yusuf has not even had... Actually, he had a fight booked against Giga Chikadze. That fight fell through. Giga, I miss you. Come back, all right? Lightweight. Honestly, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I'm looking forward to seeing Conor McGregor return from his time off. Hopefully this year, in December... Because December's the last pay-per-view not booked up. So we shall see. At welterweight. Hamza Chemayev. I will be looking forward to that Hamza Chemayev fight later this year. And also for Colby Covington. Because I've not seen Colby fight in a long time. At middleweight. Whew. Scanning middleweight. I'm not seeing anyone. Honestly. I'm not really seeing anyone. So I'll just say whenever Bo Nickel fights. Because I love seeing Bo Nickel fight. Without a doubt, light heavyweight Jerry Prochaska. And I'll say Jerry Prochaska will be my final answer. Which fighter are you looking forward to seeing return from injury or lengthy time off is Jerry Prochaska. But because I said I was going to do it um, at heavyweight, I will be looking forward to seeing Stipe Miocic. Interesting to see how he performs. At women's strawweight, whenever Rose Namajunas fights, 
at women's flyweight. I'll be looking forward to seeing Talia Santos fight. And at women's bantamweight whenever Julia Payne fights again. But yeah, Jerry Prochaska is who I'm looking forward most seeing return. Not only from a lengthy timeout, but an injury nonetheless. So, Jerry Prochaska, whenever you get back in the octagon, I'll be here cheering you on. And our final question is then, which fight are you looking forward to most in 2023? And we've gone over a lot in this video. We have gone over quite a lot of fights that have been announced. A couple of good ones coming up. You know, I could say Gaethje Poirier. Sean O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling's going to be good. But I got to tell you guys, Hamza Chemaev, Paulo Costa is the only fight I can think about right now. I know it's recency bias, but which fight am I looking forward to most? It is that fight. And I just, these two guys hate each other. Hamza's such an entertaining fighter. Paulo's entertaining. He's a troll. That's the fight I'm looking forward to, man. ESPN asking some very interesting questions. And me, I feel like I gave some adequate answers. I don't know what the experts say. Let's see what Wagenheim said. He said, can I say Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul too? Ladies and gentlemen, the ESPN analysts are saying gimmick boxing matches. Well, I'm giving you the real hard fights. Who's the expert here? You let me know. All right. Moving into our next segment, we have Loyal to the Belt. Yes, Loyal to the Belt. If no one knows, Loyal to the Belt is where I pose this question, where are you loyal to the belt? Who's ever champion? Or are you loyal to the fighter, the team or person who holds that championship or belt? This week, we'll look at the next title fight in men's MMA for the UFC, which will be going down at UFC 292 between Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain Sterling is the target of this. Are you loyal to the belts? Aljamain, your current bandweight champion in the men's division, of course. He's also the number six pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world. Aljamain currently has held the belt since 2021. March 6th, that is, at UFC 259, where he won the belt from Pierre de Jan. Without a doubt, going into his second fight, he was not a fan favorite at all. And after winning a very controversial split decision, Aljamain did not win very many friends at all. But after the TJ Dillashaw fight, a couple more people began to like him and respect him, including me. Until it came out that TJ Dillashaw was injured and only had one arm for that fight. Then the Henry Cejudo fight came, and a lot of people thought Henry Cejudo won, but not me. I actually did pick Aljamain Sterling to win, and I actually predicted him to beat TJ Dillashaw. But I was still looming over the fact that Peter Young got screwed in back-to-back -back fights. Aljamain Sterling, personally for me, I am not loyal to him. I am loyal to the belt, not to Aljamain Sterling. If Sean O'Malley wins, I will without a doubt root for him. But if Aljamain wins, I'll root for him. All right. I'm not really loyal to any of them. Not really loyal to the Aljamain Sterling. I'm loyal to the belt. Now, as if you were to ask who I think is going to win this fight, I don't know. I think Aljamain truly has unreal grappling. But there's just something about Sean O'Malley, man. There's just something about him. I feel like you just can't deny him anymore. I just feel like you can't deny him. I feel like he's that good. I feel like he might knock out. Aljamain Sterling, I feel like he's that good. But, you know, anything can happen. 
And looking back at past Bantamweight champions, I mean, when Piotr Jan won the belt, I was all for Piotr Jan. And I've kind of fallen off since then, since he's lost so much. And before Piotr Jan, it was Henry Cejudo. And I was like, yeah, Henry Cejudo, man. He beat Marlon Moraes. He beat Dominic Cruz. And I did not predict him to beat Osmond Sterling. So I, I actually fluctuate a lot. But if there were a fighter, I would probably pick that I will stay with. That is Umar Nurmagomedov. I truly believe Umar is destined to become UFC bantamweight champion at some point in his career. And it's only a matter of time. But as for loyal to the belt, I am loyal to the belt. I'm not loyal to Osmond Sterling. And looking back on our past episodes... um. At flyweight, I am not loyal to the belt at flyweight. I am loyal to Brandon Moreno. And at featherweight, man, Volk is the champ. So I do have to say I'm loyal to the belt. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. The Ia Topira fight will be a big one if I pick Volk or Topira. Because I'll officially decide my allegiance to either the belt or to Volkanovski. Um, I think we're going to add this in on every episode and kind of just go through all the fighters. I think we might do a women's division next for MMA. And I was also thinking about maybe doing a pro team, such as the Kansas City Chiefs or the Denver Nuggets, because I know people become bandwagons of them. Not really me. I'm more of a loyal to my Minnesota teams, you know, Vikings, diehard Vikings fan. Timberwolves, you know, I like the Timberwolves. I'll follow them. Um, Wild, you know, I always like catching a wild game. And the Twins, you know, I don't really watch baseball, but people ask me, oh, who do you root for? I will root for the Twins. Actually, I think they're 500 right now. One game below, one game above. Such a mediocre team. I hope that they can make the World Series and win the World Series. Because I think that's the only Minnesota sports team. Besides the Minnesota Lynx. Minnesota Lynx are the best sports team, technically, in Minnesota's history. Since they've won the most championships, I'm pretty sure. But no one watches the WNBA because it's... Very lame. We won't even talk about that, so I don't get canceled. So, next segment, next segment, if I don't stutter, will be the UFC Fight Night Preview. Aspinall versus Tibera, live in London, England, this Saturday. We're going to be covering the whole card, so we're going to take a quick intermission so I can collect my thoughts, and then we'll be right back. So, no time for you, a lot of time for me. And we're back. All right, making sure the mic is on. So we can actually get my coverage of the prelims and every other fight. If no one watched episode um, five, I believe it was, I uh, accidentally had my mic muted when I recorded my coverage of the prelims for uh, Fight Night Home versus Silva. But we do not have that issue right now. My mic is on and I see myself recording. So without a doubt, let's dive in Fight Night Asmal versus Tibera. This is the UFC's third event in London in the modern era. I don't even know where we call in this, the COVID era, the post-COVID era. 2020 and on is kind of when I started watching UFC, so it's kind of when I consider like the UFC, the UFC, but without a doubt, let's dive in. Starting off the night in the flyweight division with the smallest division, the smallest but not the least, despite being the openers of the card. We have Rafael Filho versus Daniel Barres. Daniel Barres coming off the Contender Series. In 2021, he lost a split decision to Carlos Hernandez. I actually remember that. I think they both got contracts or something. Um, Daniel, 5'6", 66-inch reach, 16-5. Not too bad. Uh, born in 1988. 
So doing quick mass, that will make him 20, 35, I believe, all right? He takes on Rafael Filo, who actually won on the Contender Series. He got a knockout punch over Robert Echeverre. And he had an interesting debut earlier this year in London. Oh my gosh, there's actually been four London events. I correct myself. Um, he fought Mohamed Mokayev and actually put up a fight until he got finished in round three. He actually injured Mohamed's leg. I remember that fight, man. Rafael Filo is a dog. Without a doubt, I am picking Rafael Filo. Honestly, by finish, I would not doubt that. He gave Mohamed Mokayev a run for his money, and guys like that really belong. All right. Rafael is my prediction. All right. Like I said, the prelims, we kind of skim over fast. I mean, there's not much to go over here, but is what it is. All right. Moving on, women's strawweight, and we have an interesting one. They're debuting Shauna Bannon, an Ireland fighter. Ireland Takeover 2.0. I mean, it might be in effect. Who knows? She takes on Bruna Brazil. All right, Shauna is 5-0. Nickname is Mama B. She is 28 at the moment. Wow. She's very popular on the Instagram. I believe she was a boxer, maybe. I don't know if that's aggregated at all. She is uh, very popular for her looks. She does look nice. And she'll be taking on Bruna Brazil who is coming off the Contender Series, where she got a nasty kick knockout of Marnik Mann. Marnik Mann is actually a woman's name. Just let everyone know. All right. Earlier this year, she got finished by Denise Gomez in round two. All I need to see was that name Denise Gomez to know that she fought someone tough, because Denise Gomez has hands. Oh, my goodness. That chick is that chicken box. But without a doubt, Shauna Brandon. Shauna Bannon, I mean, is our pick. I mean, you can search her up on Instagram. Not much more I have to say. I mean, she is. She is very popular on the Instagram. We'll say that. All right. <laughs> Moving on. We actually have... Oh, not time for ranked women yet. Next up in the lightweight division, we have Chris Duncan and Yanal Ashmuz. Yanal Ashmuz, I believe, is actually... um, Is he the Jewish fighter? The, we have a Jewish fighter in the UFC. And I believe it is this guy. Let me uh, let me confirm, because I don't want to don't want to be appropriating anything. Yes, nationality is Israeli. Uh oh, he's Israeli. I hope I didn't start a conflict. I don't really are the Jews from Israel. I don't. I think I think that for being a Christian, I should know this. But Yanal had an amazing debut. He knocked out Sam Patterson in just over a minute on the last London card at UFC 286. Whew. That was a good... I actually remember that knockout. And he takes on Chris Duncan. And if no one knows who Chris Duncan is... Ladies and gentlemen, there's two Chris Duncans actually in the UFC. There's actually a Chris Leroy Duncan. Don't get him confused. Chris Duncan. Fought in the Contender Series in 2021. Got knocked out by Vicheslav Borshev, all right? But he fought last August. And his fight against Charlie Campbell is a minute and 43 seconds. It is Dana White's Contender Series 6.2. It is one of the craziest comebacks I've seen. Chris Duncan's like almost getting clipped. He's almost getting knocked out. And he rocks Charlie. Charlie just stumbles back down. And he follows up some follow-up punches. And Chris Duncan gets the knockout. All right. He actually fought on the last London card, uh, UFC 286. And he won a split decision against Omar Morales. So this would be an absolute banger. But Chris Duncan, I'm sorry. We're rocking with you. You know, we're rocking with the Israeli boy. You know. 
Okay, there's actually a lot of prelim fights now that I'm getting into this. But we'll stay persistent. All right. Moving on. Ketlin Vera. Pan Kianzia. Ranked women's bantamweights. Any uh, UFC loyal fans? You may recognize their names. Their staples in the women's bantamweight division. Ketlin Vera currently ranked number four. Pan Kianzia at seven. Ketlin Vera, I'm actually... Very surprised she's wound up in this situation. I mean, it wasn't, but I think last year, the year before, she was out here beating Holly Holmes in a main event, and now she finds herself fighting Pan Kianzid. Very similar height and reach, slight lean to Catelyn Vera, who is actually 13 and 3. Currently coming off a split decision loss to Hockwell Pennington on the first event of the year, this year, January 14th. Um, before that, she'd beaten Holly Holmes and Misha Tate in fight nights. So, I mean, very talented. Esther Pan, I believe she's the one being pushed up the rankings. Yes, she is currently coming off of a win against Lena Landsberg back in April. She was dropped, though. I believe she won because of her takedowns. Holds the loss to Hockwell Pennington. I'm sorry, Pan. Actually, she had a four-fight win streak before losing to Hockwell Pennington. But that's not going to help you. I'm picking Ketlin Vieira. All right. One's bantamweight. Thanks to Myra Bueno Silva. Maybe saved. And Ketlin Vieira could be on. Like, come on. Keep your keep your eyes open. And your ears wide. For Ketlin Vieira and Pankyanza. Next up. Middleweight matchup. This one's very notable, guys. Brian Barberina moving up to middleweight to take on Mahmoud. Brought off Brian. Had a little bit of a Legends Tour, as you could call. He fought uh, Robbie Lawler in one. He fought, gosh, who else did who else did Brian Barria fight? He fought Rafael Dos Anjos. He fought Gunnar Nelson. He fought Matt Brown. And he went 2-2 two and two in that little thing. He got a finish. Got a fight of the night. Actually, had two fight of the nights. His fight against Robbie Lawler was a fight of the night. But he's been submitted to the last two, so we decided I'll move up. And I'll take on a guy, Mahmoud Murata, who's on two-fight losing streak. Mahmoud actually was 3-0 to start out in the UFC. Then got submitted by Gerald Mearshart in August of 2021. Last loss to Cal Barallo, so we know he's good. But honestly, guys, Brian Barbina is good. But moving up, taking on bigger guys, I got to pick Mahmoud. Probably by decision um, or knockout. Those are my predictions. But I don't know how the weight... Rise will treat Mahmoud. We'll see. Right. But I'm very excited to get into the next one. Uh, heavyweight Mick Parkin takes on Jamal Pogues. Mick Parkin, a London boy. How's my how's my accent? A London boy. As he takes on um, Jamal Pogues. Uh, Mick Parkin. Gosh, I want to call him like Mick Markin for some reason. Coming off the contender series where he got a rear naked chokehold finish in just under two minutes. Very crazy opening uh, round. He takes on Jamal Pogues, who's picked up a little bit of UFC experience. He, uh, Mick is 6-0, and but um, I believe Jamal is also undefeated. If I can double-check that. No, he's 10-3, and but he's he's 1-0 in the UFC, actually. I, uh, I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of Waldez Cortosa Costa. That's who I was thinking of. Jamal Pogues has his debut earlier this year, beat Josh Parshin. 
I'm rocking with Mick Parkin, man. There's just something about these London fighters. I just, without a doubt, pick them over everyone else. Because I just feel like London fighters always win in London. Unless they're named Darren Till. Oh, burn. Who knows what Darren Till's doing nowadays? Probably bare-knuckle fighting. I can definitely see Darren Till in bare-knuckle fighting. Right. I say all right too much. I got to work on that. Moving on. Mark Diakise will be taking on Joel Alvarez in the lightweight division. Staple. Mark Diakise is a staple of the lightweight division. Been around here since 2016. He's coming off a loss to Michael Johnson in uh, December of 2022. But before that, had two, uh, two big victories. Really turned to his grappling. Did not do that against Michael Johnson. He takes on someone in Joel Alvarez who desperately will be needing a victory here. Mark Diakise is, of course, the hometown boy in London. Um, Joel's coming off a nasty TKO loss to Armin Tazugrian back in February of 2022, but before that was on a four-fight winning streak. And of his three career losses, one is to Demiris Magulov and one is to Armin Tazugrian. So Joel is easily very good, but we're rocking with Mark Diakise. Guys, they're, they're in London. They are in London. We got to rock with him. But I don't know if Mark's the fastest starter. So if Joel can come out swinging, he might be able to knock him out. We shall see as we move on to the welterweight division. As Danny Roberts is back. Wow. He takes on Johnny Parsons. That name does not ring a bell to me. Johnny Parsons does not ring a bell. Danny Roberts last got knocked out by Jack Della Maddalena. In November of 2022, before that, lost to Francisco Trinaldo. Had two wins before that. Danny Roberts been in the UFC since 2015. An 18-7 record. 6'1", 74-inch reach, so nice and tall. Good reach. Uh, the Jack Del Malay loss, I would not hold too much over his head as he's very tough. But he takes on Johnny Parsons, who won a split decision on the Contender Series back in 2021. He's 8-2. I assume Johnny Parsons is from England. Um, UFC stats does not say that, so I don't know. But maybe I'll go with Danny Roberts by uh, unanimous decision. I think that's a solid pick, right? Let's get into our final... Um, yeah, this is our final prelim fight. All right, the final prelim fight could be on the main card without a doubt. It's at band and weight as Davey Grant takes on Daniel Marcos. Daniel Marcos, ladies and gentlemen, very notable, undefeated prospect. But they don't come any easier as you move up as he takes on Davey Grant Staple in the bantamweight division. Been around since 2013. Uh, Davey Grant, currently on a two-fight win streak. Coming off a performance most inferred triangle against Rafael Asuncao. He actually retired Rafael Asuncao earlier this year. Or at least sent him out of the UFC. Davey has not been in a disappointing fight since 2019. I mean, let's start Let's start in 2020. Performance bonus against Martin Day. Followed by that. Performance bonus against Jonathan Martinez. Followed by that. Fight of the night against Marlon Vera. Followed by that. Fight of the night against Adrian Yanez. Then finishes Luis Mocha. Then a performance bonus against Asensio. Davey Grant is tough as nails. But I'll tell you who's the nail and who's the hammer. If Davey Grant's as tough as nails, I mean, guess who's the hammer in this situation? That's Daniel Marcos. 14-0. 14-0. Daniel is um, 28 years old. Actually, he's 29 now. 
Um, coming off a wonderful de debut earlier this year at UFC 283, he finished same in Oliveira in round number two with a little uh, TKO. Guys, I don't know. This could, without a doubt, be fight of the night if the main card didn't exist, because I'm sure someone on the main card is going to get the fight in the night nod. But Daniel Marcos is so good, so good. There's a reason he's 14-0, but there's also a reason Davy Grant is on a heater right now of fights. His only two losses have been decision fights against Adrian Yanez and Marlon Vera. That tells me all I need to know, guys. I think Davy Grant pulls off the upset in London and finishes Daniel Marcos, ending his 14-0 run. But if not, I mean, then we'll have a 15-0 bantamweight. Right? There's so many fighters that are just coming in with a huge undefeated record that are so padded. I always point out Kusan Askabrav. I believe it was Kusin Abreev or something. He was 23-0. He had like 4 million Instagram followers coming out like the Abu Dhabi United Emirates region. And he gets smoked in his debut. So sometimes that's what you get for fighting lesser fighters that aren't as good as you. You come to the big leagues and you're not able to hit, which I think is the case this time. So these will be my prelim picks. We'll uh, reiterate them. Rafael Filo, Shauna Bannon, Yanal Ashmaz, Kellen Vieira, Mahmoud Muradov, Mick Parkin, Mark Diakise, Danny Roberts, and Davey Grant. Will all those be correct? I don't know. Do I just like saying their names? Probably. But nonetheless, we'll most likely be watching them. Actually, I'll be at the gym Saturday morning, checking out a new gym with some buddies of mine. And I might be throwing it on my phone, actually, because I think prelims are like 11 in the morning or something. Which is awesome, but we'll see. Let's move into the main card. I'm not going to write it down just yet, but my picks, I will lock in. I will lock in my picks this time because I noticed from my last predictions video, I was not saying what I actually had put on Verdict. If anyone wants to follow me on, Ver if anyone wants to follow me on Verdict, it's capital ZR2002. Y'all can follow me. I just became a black belt. And I post my picks on there, so you, they're official. And they cannot be altered in any way. Because I write them on paper. But the only way to really prove to people that they're real is by putting them on the internet with timestamps. So, that's that. Let's dive into the main card. Let's not delay. Alright? Kicking off. We're in the featherweight division. And boy, do we have a banger. Boy, do we have a banger. Lee Roan Murphy versus Josh Culiabo. Man, is it good. Wow. It, it honestly leaves me speechless that we're getting this fight sorely on. These guys could both, without a doubt, be fighting for the belt one day. But here they are kicking off the UFC fight night between Aspinall and Tybura. Let's look at them, all right? Leroy Murphy, undefeated. 12 wins, no losses. One draw, but I mean, a draw is a draw, all right? 5'9", 73-inch reach. Now, the one thing I say why these are not official is because I'm actually going to look at the weigh-ins and the face-offs because I find those are very valuable. They give you a lot of valuable information. And we might even do a video analyzing the difference between your picks before and after seeing the face-off and the weigh-in because weight cut matters, all right? Leon Murphy uh, is 4-0 in the UFC. His uh, draw was in his debut, but since then... Has looked amazing. Uh, performance bonus finish with Ricardo Ramos. Decision win over Douglas Silva de Andrade. Knee. Oh my gosh, that knee finish over Mako Amir Khani. It was very good. 
and a split decision win against Gabriel Santos last time out. But his opponent, Josh Kuliavo, is coming with fire. He's coming off a submission victory over Melsic Bagdasarian. And we just saw Melsic fight, so we know how good he is. Josh, 11-1. and one. Notable. He was finished by Jalen Turner in his debut. And Jalen Turner, as we know, is a big boy. He's a big boy. So Josh was Josh was fighting up a weight class. Then he came down, split decision. It was actually a draw against Charles Jordan. It just said split decision. But since then, you have a decision win over Shailene Nurdan Beek. A split decision win over Sungwoo Choi. And got a fish for a Melsic bag to Syrian. By the way, Josh Kuliabo, 5'10", 73-inch reach. So these guys are very similar build, very similar style. But Leroy Murphy's got plot armor. He's undefeated. He's in London. He should have gotten a ranked opponent next. And here he is fighting Josh Kuliabo. But we'll see. I'm obviously rocking with Leroy Murphy. We're going to go with a round two knockout from Leroy. Oh, just because... But the winner of this, I thought Dodge should be getting a ranked opponent next. Someone like a Bryce Mitchell, like an Edson Barbosa, Alcaceres, you know, people like that. But, oh, man, Leroy Murphy, I'm very excited to see that fight. I'm very smiling right now. I can't wait to watch it. Um, we'll move on, though. We won't, we won't uh, you know, deride Leroy too much. This should be a very good fight, a very good fight to kick off the card. I just don't know how it'll follow up after Davy Grant and Daniel Marcos. But the London crowd never disappoints. The London crowds never disappoint. Even if the fights disappoint, the London crowds never disappoint. All right. Moving on to lightweight. If you were going to guess, do we have another London fighter? You bet we do, as Jai Herbert is back. This time, he takes on Fares I am. I am sad for Fares. He's not going to be on the Paris card, but it's just how it works out sometimes. Jai Herbert, been in the UFC since 2020. I mean, he's been knocked out. He's gotten knocked out. He's been submitted. He's won decisions. Jai Herbert's been all over the place. Um, <laughs> if no one remembers his uh, knockout loss to Ian Topura, that is nuts. That is nuts. Uh, March 19th, 2022. That was three London events ago. <laughs> he got brutally knocked out by Ian Topura, but he bounced back. With a name decision win over Ludwig Klein. Oh no, he's bounced back with a decision win over Kyle Nelson. His last fight out earlier this year. He had a draw against Ludwig Klein. So, drives back. Looking to regain his... Uh, actually, just get a win at this point. I mean, drives in no place to call for uh, ranked opponents. But as for fair as I am, I mean, 13-4. and four, He's 6-1, a 75-inch reach. Oh gosh, he's only... um Actually, he's 26 years old, so he's kind of young. Coming off a win streak over, uh, coming off a win, not a win streak against Michael Figlack back in September of 2022. So he was on the last Paris card. Good for him. But before that was submitted by Terrence McKinney. But other than that, Ferris is a good and um, on verdict. His uh, XP was too good not to pass up on a round one knockout from Ferris. Zai am. Ferris, I am. Yes, I am going to pick you. Zai am. We could rap about him, right? Moving on to middleweight. This is one of the most random fights of the year. This is Of all the fights, you could have told me. Like, oh, is Hamza going to fight this year? Maybe. He's going to fight Paul Costa. No way. Oh my gosh. Mark, Jeff, and Oliver, they're going to rematch. No way. What if I told you Paul Craig was dropping down to middleweight 
to take down Andre to take down to take on Andre Munoz. He might well take him down, honestly. No, not like that. I mean in the octagon. Um, Paul Craig suffering a couple of defeats at a light heavyweight has decided to try out middleweight. So Paul's actually currently ranked number nine at light heavyweight. I don't know if we'll kick him out of the rankings. Andre Munez currently ranked 14 at middleweight. Paul's on a two-fight win streak after having been on a four-fight finish streak, which was very sad um, to see it end. He'd actually been on a six-fight undefeated streak, five of those wins, one draw. But man, the Giant Walker fight, he just got his head bashed into oblivion earlier this year. Decided to leave the division. Paul Craig, I mean, the notable wins for Paul Craig. Do we need to reiterate them? He's beaten Magomed Ankalaev. He's beaten Kadeen and Chukwe. He's beaten Mauricio Rua. He's beaten Jamal Hill. He's beaten Nikita Kirill. He holds wins. This is crazy. Paul Craig actually holds wins over the current champion who just vacated his belt, Jamal Hill. The number two contender, Magomed Ankalaev. And the number five contender, Nikita Kirillov. That's nuts to me. That's just nuts to me. Including Shogun Hua. And Kenny and Chukwe, who's on the come-up. As for his opponent, uh, Andre Munez, kind of new to the UFC. I mean, Paul is uh, Paul's 6'3", 76-inch reach. Um, Andre Munez, 6'1", 78-inch reach. So size does go to Paul Craig, but he is cutting. So we shall see. As I was going to mention before I went into their height, Andre Munez is an impressive... 23 and 5. He's coming off his first loss in the UFC, unfortunately, to um, Brendan Allen. Earlier this year, he got rear naked chokeholded. Did not see that coming. I, I did not see that coming. That really caught me off guard. But um, Andre Munoz holds wins over Uriah Hall, arm bars of Eric Anders and Jack Ray Souza, and Bartosz Fabinski, who's irrelevant, but he got performance bonus for it. So, excuse me. Kudos to him. I'm ranked with Andre Munoz. Um, the XP on Verdict was giving me more for a decision, but the more I look at it, I might go with a submission in round one, just because I think Paul's going to be careless. But we'll see. I might just predict for finishes for every single fight on this card. So Andre Munez, by a finish, and my reasoning, I actually do everything, is because this is a really tough weight cut for Paul Craig. He's got him 15 pounds minimum just to make weight. Actually, it's it's more like 14, actually, but still, still, his walk-around rate's definitely over. Walk-around rate, walk-around weight, not rate, is definitely over the 205. Oh my gosh, what am I thinking of? I was thinking of middleweight to welterweight. He's gone from 205 to 185, so he's actually cutting even more weight. I had my divisions mixed up. But nonetheless, Andre Munez, I believe you'll win, and you'll be able to fight up against someone like Jack Hermanson. Let's get into our top three fights of the evening. We do have an, we do have some opinions on the co-main event, but uh, let's talk about what's going to be a featherweight banger in the 145-pound division as Nathaniel Wood will be taking on Andre Feely. Nathaniel Wood is touted as one of the top featherweight prospects, not currently in the rankings. And being from London, of course they had to have him on the card. Currently on a two-fight win streak, coming off a win over Charles Dordain. This guy is very good. Five foot six, 69-inch reach. He's 29 years old. Nathaniel 
what been in the UFC since 2018. An impressive seven and two in the UFC. Oh, six and two. My bad. Losses are a fight of the night to Casey Kenny, and he got knocked out by John Dodson in 2020. But since then, it's a whole new Nathaniel Wood. He's coming for vengeance. He likes takedowns. He likes striking. He likes to do it all. And oddly enough, his last two fights, he's had exactly 97 significant strikes. I always like to look at the numbers. Like I said a couple episodes ago, this is more than just a fight for me. I love looking at the numbers. He takes on Andre Feely, who there was a time where Andre Feely won a split decision over Charles Jordan in June of 2020. And I thought, Andre Feely is super good. He then proceeded to get outgrappled by Bryce Mitchell. I poked Daniel Pineda, so the fight had to be stopped, get knocked out in 41 seconds by Joe Harrison Brito, and win a split decision against Bill Algeo last year in September. So he's coming off a win, but he's been on a very careless, very unpredictable uh, run in the UFC. I can't really say what's next for him after this, but all I can tell you is that we're going with the Nathaniel Wood. Round one knockout. That's right. I mean, guys, looking back at Fight Night, Alexander Volkov versus, uh, gosh, Tom Aspinall, the... In uh, 2022, all fights were finishes, I'm pretty sure. A majority of them were finishes. So I'm picking every fight in this maker to end by finish. Just because it's exciting and it's fun to root for finishes. But we're rocking with Nathaniel Wood, without a doubt. Nathaniel Wood, an absolute dog. And I see people touting him as the second coming of uh, Darren Till. So we'll see. But the current best British prospect is probably Leron Murphy. Or is it the girl? in the co-main event. How about, how about that transition? As, oh, she's not ranked anymore. I went to look at the rankings and she's not ranked. Molly McCann takes on Julia Storyolenko in the women's flyweight division. I don't know how this is the co-main event. This is such a random fight. Molly McCann coming off a brutal loss to Aaron Blanchfield. I mean, we know Aaron Blanchfield's good, but she did. She did Molly dirty. Camorras her in three and a half minutes and just kills all the hype she had. Molly McCann, what is she? Uh, she's uh, like 33. She was on a three-fight win streak, three performances, two spinning back elbows. Then she ran to Aaron Blanchfield. But Molly McCann, been in the UFC since 2018. She is a six and four in total, so uh, not the best. She's Patty Pimblett's best friend. If no one knows. And she takes on Julie Gia Storylenko. And if I've never seen a fight set up more for Molly McCann to win, it is this fight. Julie Gia is cutting down from Bantamweight after being there her whole career. I kid you not. I kid you not. She is one in five in the UFC. She's one in five in the UFC. In her career, she's 10, 8, and 2. So she's almost negative. All right. She's five foot seven, sixty-six 66-inch reach. Last time she fought was on my birthday, October 1st, 2022. She got knocked out by Chelsea Chandler in round one. She also held an armbar over Jessica Rose Clark. Got a performance bonus for that last year. But uh, we're obviously going with Molly McCann. And we're going to go with the round three knockout four. I mean, Molly McCann, without a doubt, should win this. I thought she was in the rankings, but they kicked her out after she got brutally finished. And when she wins this, they'll probably push her back into the rankings. So... Look for her to fight someone like uh, Andrea Lee. How about that? I like that fight next to her. But on the off chance, Julie Gia Storylenko wins. 
I think that would be so hilarious. Just they they put Molly in the coal main just because she's Patty Pimlet's friend, just because it's in London, and she loses to a bum like Julie Gia. But we'll see. No offense, Julie Gia. I'm just saying. You don't have the best record. But I'll tell you who do, does have a good record. The men in our main event. This is a perfect main event, guys. In the men's heavyweight division, number five, Tom Aspinall. Number 10, Marcin Tabira. Kudos to Marcin Tabira being ranked 10 and getting this shot against Tom Aspinall. So we'll look at Marcin. Actually, we'll view the matchup first. Let's let's look at their stats side by side. Get a size comparison because I did see them squaring off on uh, the UFC's Instagram. It's kind of a funny, uh, kind of a funny, uh, was it face off? <laughs> Tom was making like jokes and they're just going right over Marcin's head. And then Marcin said something like, the view is nice. <laughs> and I was like, Marcin's too nice. He has the most harmless voice for being like an intimidating fighter. But um, Tom Aspinall, 12 and 3. Marcin Tabira, 24 and 7. The average fight time is nuts. The average fight time is nuts. Two and a half minutes average fight time for Tom. 12 minutes and 40 seconds for Marcin Tabira. So Tom gets things done quick. Tom 6'5", Marcin 6'3", weight 256 for Tom. So he just, so he's like uh, about 9 pounds under the limit. As for Marcin Tabira, 249 pounds. I believe this is just what they average, that they usually weigh in. Marcin, uh, what is he? He's like 16 pounds under. Tom is uh, was born in 1993, Marcin in 1985. So Marcin is... 30, 38. Wow. Tom Aspinall, 29. Actually, I think he's 30. I really should just look up their agents uh, trying to do math. But nonetheless, let's check out these guys. Marcin Tibero, currently on a two-fight win streak. His only loss is a unanimous decision to Alexander Volkov in the last however many fights. Because, yes, he actually is 7-1 his last eight Fights. Lots of notable wins in the UFC. I mean, Andre Arlovsky, Stefan Struve, Sergey Spivak, Ben Rothwell, Greg Hardy, Walter is notable names. Alexander Romanov, he actually handed uh, Alexander Romanov his first defeat. And he beat Blagoy Ivanov. And they actually just uh, cut Blagoy Ivanov, which is unfortunate, but Blagoy Ivanov is kind of boring. I actually saw him on a different note from this card. They actually officially released Demir's Magulov and Robbie Lawler. I'm pretty sure they're both retiring. So we'll be getting someone new ranked at lightweight. Maybe it will be someone from this card. Who knows? And I actually just got a tweet as we're speaking as Jake Matthews will remain on UFC 291 as he takes on Darius Flowers. Darius made his UFC debut after earning a contract on Day One's Contender Series last year. So we even get live updates on this show, which I guess aren't live for you since you'll be viewing this later. But I'm just going to say what I feel like. Because it's my podcast. But I do care what the listeners feel. So, Marcin Tibera, Um, I remember he beat Greg Hardy and Malteris. Both finished them by TKO. Then, of course, lost to Volkov. But on a little two-fight win streak end in this, he's got some momentum, man. But Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall is a D-A-W-G dog. Comes into the UFC. Five straight finishes. The farthest he went was into round two with Andre Arlovsky. Five wins, five finishes, four performance bonuses. 
He's been absolutely crazy. Until July of 2022, a year ago. Holy crap, it's almost a year to the day. It's going to be just a day before he had uh, broken his um, leg. He threw a knee. What was his knee? He tore something. He threw a leg kick 15 seconds in and tore something, went down. Blades versus Aspinall. Was such a bad uh, London card. I mean, such a letdown from the Volkov Aspinall London card. But I mean, since then, Curtis Blades went on to get knocked out by Pavlovich. So, I mean, Aspinall cursed him. But Aspinall's back, an absolute master on the ground, master on the feet. At this point, I was just predicting where he's going to end the fight. And simply looking at the stats, I believe it's going to end in round number one. And we're going to go. Submission. All right. I think he drops Marcin and then straps in a little uh, guillotine, maybe a little rear naked chokehold. Tom Aspinall, I'm happy you're back, man. Tom Aspinall is one of those future heavyweight guys on the come up that is going to take over the division. It's him, Sergey Pavlovich. Shogun will be a staple, so I'll throw Shogun in. I'll even throw uh, Taitu Vasa. He'll be around for a while. Sergey Spivak. But really, there's three main guys, and that's Halt and Almeida, Tom Aspinall. And Sergey Pavlovich. Tom, man, you get this win without doubt. You'll probably move up to the number four ranking. You've got to put him past Curtis Blades if he wins this, right? You gotta. All right. You got injured against Curtis. Shouldn't have, it should have been a no contest. It's stupid that when fighters get hurt, for example, the Chris Weidman Uriah Hall fight, that it counts as a loss against the guy who got injured. Like it's an injury. I mean, I, Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega, another excellent example. There shouldn't be victories for those guys. They should be no contests. At the end of the day, it determines what the ref thinks. I mean, think about the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, yeah, Dustin won round one, but McGregor broke his foot in the octagon. It probably should have been no contest. But the fans know really what happens. The records don't mean that much when the fans know. But yes, we'll be riding with Tom Aspinall. I mean, we're, riding with, we're riding with pretty much every uh, England fighter. But uh, how can you not love the London guys, man? They're so good. So let's recap our uh, main card predictions. We're rocking with Leroy Murphy over Josh Kuliamo by knockout. Fair as I am over Jai Herbert by knockout. Andre Munez over Paul Craig by submission. Nathaniel Wood over Andre Feely by TKO, we'll say. Molly McCann over Julia Gia Storylinko by knockout. And Tom Aspinall over Marcin Tebura by round one submission. Man, such a good card. Um, airs at 2 p.m. Central Time, whatever Minnesota time is. That's my time. That's when the main card will be going down. So, without a doubt, make sure to catch it. This has been fun. This has been fun. We went over so much UFC news. I mean, I don't even have a surprising topic. The surprising topic is that it was all UFC. But I will give you guys a little sneak peek. We are working on a conspiracy theories episode. We're working on a how to get into fantasy football episode. How to get into the UFC. We're going to do a Marvel-themed episode. And even for one of my friends, I asked him, what do you want an episode? What do you want the surprise topic to be? He said quantum physics, so just despite him, we're going to talk about quantum physics on one episode. But I hope you all enjoyed this. We went over a number of things. We went over, without ultimately, we went over the fight night between Aspel and Tavira. That took up 30 minutes of the show. 
But we also talked about some upcoming fights. We did a little bit of the loyal to the belts. I mean, answered some questions from ESPN. All sorts of good stuff. So nice long episode over an hour. I always like doing the long episodes, but we're going to continue to try and market this. Post on Instagram, post on TikTok. YouTube is still incoming. I'm working on that. It's, it's tougher than I thought, but we will persevere. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Let me know what you guys predicted. Shoot me a text on any platform. I will respond. All right. Everyone, have an amazing day. And I hope you were surprised. <laughs>